This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. ESPNU, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Hello, I'm Michelle Swalman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. National championship is set. You heard the calls last night here on ESPN Radio. Michigan and Washington, the last two undefeated Power 5 teams, will match up in the title game next Monday night on ESPN and ESPN Radio. And that happens after Michigan beats Alabama 27-20 in overtime. Washington beats Texas 37-31. And Jim Harbaugh, a lot of conversation about him. Last night he spoke on the team overcoming countless things this year. You know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that, that uh, you know, that the team has gone through. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about uh, anything that comes up. We just know we're going to overcome it because uh, it's un- unanimous support from uh, every single guy on the team. And Harbaugh last night answers the question about the future. Uh, there's a lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> My future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> Can't wait. So there's Harbaugh, and we just had Paul Feinbaum on, who was the person earlier this season who said that a title would be tainted for Michigan, which he now no longer believes. And I find this whole thing amazing not Feinbaum's take as much as the idea. I mean, his take is, is very interesting. But the idea of, like, mm. Michigan is able to shed the quote-unquote cheater label based on accomplishment. Yet the Astros and the Patriots are not able to shed that, and they've also had accomplishment post-cheater. How did that happen? I mean, I think it happened because without their head coach, they beat Penn State in Ohio State at the end of the regular season. And then... Uh, in the playoff semis, they beat Alabama. I think that's how it happens when you beat the SEC championship team in the college football playoff. You get a level of credibility and validity, and the assumption is that they did that without cheating, without stealing signs again. And so, ergo, it ends up giving more credibility to their program as they move to the national championship game next Monday. So, I I mean, listen – I didn't think that a title would be tainted by Michigan before the success that they've been able to have over their last four games. Uh, I certainly don't feel that way now. And, and I'm not sure if it's material to whether or not Jim Harbaugh stays, but I will say this, him winning a national championship at his alma mater and them being willing to give him a bag of money, even though it's not what NFL teams would pay him, I, I tell you, it'd be awfully hard to leave Ann Arbor under those circumstances. I think it all comes down to accountability. He served his suspension in season. They won without him, and he just beat Alabama and beat Nick Saban in the wake of this. Whereas I think the Astros and the Patriots, all of that reckoning came after the championships. And a lot of people felt like maybe they didn't get the punishment that was deserved. I mean, the NFL burned the Spygate tapes. None of the players from the Astros ever faced any punishment. They never even showed any remorse for what they did. And a lot of people were affected by both of those teams' actions. Whereas I think when you look at what's happening with Michigan, no one is saying that they cheated to win this game versus Alabama. I think they had the punishment. They 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 served it. And they went on and proceeded afterwards. I think it's two totally different scenarios. But after 28-3, you don't think people were saying, oh, I'm sure they had the spot, like they were watching this. and watching. Of course they were, right? And it's like, I, I think it's great that Michigan is standing on their own right now and being looked at as a great football team with great running back play with Blake Corum, with great – well, 
the J.J. McCarthy thing I want to get to in a second here because I've heard a lot of people like like going crazy how great he was last night. Like he was really good and he had a great great moments, but like that wasn't the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. I think he was okay. Yeah, I think he was like, good. Thank he was, you. He was he was he was solid. Yeah. I, I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was good. I didn't think he was great. He was solid. Yeah. The best the best play he made was actually a catch on a on a double pass. That was the best play he made. I agree. I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm getting texts from people last night like, oh, my God, he's unbelievable. Harbaugh said last night he's the greatest Michigan quarterback ever while at Michigan. He said, you know, not post-Michigan. Like, Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> right. Can we – Can we? no, but he said that that way. Can we pipe down on J.J. McCarthy? Like, if you want to praise a quarterback last night, praise Michael Penix Jr. Don't – don't like, you don't have to say anything negative about J.J. McCarthy, but, like, Michael Penix was significantly better. Anyway, the point is I'm glad that Michigan – is getting the the proper due for winning without their head coach two times over, for beating Ohio State, and for beating Alabama. But that's the proper due that the Astros and the Patriots, comparatively as the other quote-unquote cheaters in sports that we've looked at, should also get. And that we should not go to the place like we've gone to with those two. Of, I wonder if they're still doing it. Does Altuve still have a buzzer? I mean, every single time we bring up those two teams, Smalls, you jump on, on both of them as cheaters. You do, right? Yeah, I do. But and- you're not with Michigan. I I think the circumstances were different. I mean, what the Astros did was so intricate, and it was persisting. It happened for a long period of time. And what I can't understand about them is they were really good. They didn't even need to do that. Um, What happened with the Patriots directly impacted the outcome of the Super Bowl. Yes, they went on to have success after that, but that one game, what they did— directly impacted the outcome. If you talk to anyone who played for the St. Louis Rams at that time, they said they knew what was coming. They they knew a lot of the plays that were dialed up. So I think it's I think it's completely different. I don't think that we're going to walk into this national championship game if Michigan wins it and say, ooh, maybe somebody had been scouting Washington and they got some intel. I think that that <laughs> chapter has been closed. And good. Yeah, but Michigan good. certainly didn't show any contrition. And I know that's one of the things that you brought up with the Astros mm-hmm. as to why uh, the public hasn't been able to move past their cheating scandal. Michigan didn't show any contrition. They just accepted the punishment that was doled out, and it was directed toward their head coach in Jim Harbaugh. He missed three games, and then he comes back, and he's able to participate in the bowl season. And I remember our very own Stephen A. Smith was calling for him to be ineligible to coach in the bowl season because of of, of the quote-unquote admission that he was involved or should have known about the sign-stealing scandal. So I think there's still that element of it if you have that axe to grind for Michigan. But in terms of what happened being material to what we've seen over the last four games for Michigan, the sign-stealing scandal holds no bearing. And I think that's why the majority of us can move past it. I agree with you. I wonder if the majority actually do. I mean, I hope you're right about that. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Have you moved past the Michigan scandal? Have you moved past the Michigan cheating scandal? Because Paul Feinbaum was on saying, you know, he was the one that made it kind of famous saying it was tainted. And he's saying, no, I've moved past that. CeCe just gave you and Smalls just gave you all of this about look at how much they've done since this all came out. You can't hold this against them now because they've proven even without that they can dominate. They're going to a national championship game. I do wonder if the masses have moved past that scandal. One thing we are not moving past is Harbaugh's future. It's going to hover around this game on Monday night because we're going to ask the question continuously, could this be his last game at Michigan? And if you had to bet a dollar on ESPN bet right now, would you bet a dollar that this is his last game, guys? You would? No. No? No. No. I don't think it's his last game in Michigan. You don't think he's going to the NFL, CC? No, I don't. 
I don't. I think it's all leverage. I think this is all a part of negotiation. I think this is all about him trying to maximize the dollar amount that he can get from Michigan in order to stay put. It's his alma mater. His program is rolling. They're, they're, they're competing for a national championship. They've got Ohio State's and Ryan Day on the ropes. They've beaten them three straight years. I just I, – I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Even with an impending NCAA suspension, I, I just – I don't see it. I, I don't see him going to the National Football League. It might be a softer place to land given the money and not having to deal with any discipline in year one. But I, I don't – I mean, I don't think this next move is about a one-year proposition. It's about the rest of his coaching career – and I think he has a chance to go out as a Michigan man and be there forever and always as one of the greatest coaches in the program's history. I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I don't think he's gonna forego that opportunity for the NFL. I think he is. I I think you hire Don Yee because you're ready to take that step. And his name has been thrown out there for quite some time about going back to the NFL. We know he's interviewed for other jobs, but it just seems like some of the opportunities that would be out there now are probably too enticing for him to turn down if he was going to return. And we know he's had a lot of success. He's going to command a lot of money, whether he stays at Michigan or whether he goes back to the NFL. But it just feels like with everything that's swirling around Michigan right now and the opportunities that lay before him in the NFL, now might be the time to jump. So I've said all season that I think he's going to stay at Michigan, but I've said today that I think it's now going to go the other way. I think, like... I believe one way or another, I think his decision has been made. I, I don't know why. Mm. Maybe you guys think I'm crazy on this. The Bears letting it leak or someone letting it leak that Eberflus is back with the Bears, to me, means the Bears know that they are not going to talk to Harbaugh about coaching their team next year. And I know Jeff Saturday in our 7 a.m. Eastern hour, people can go back on the podcast and listen, said that he wasn't going to go to the Bears. So maybe he just wrote them off before he even tests free agency, so to speak. But I, I feel like his decision is already made and he knows where he's going to go I have no proof of that but the Bears thing to me is weird it's I mean they're, they're they've won five of their last seven games <laughs> I mean is, is he still on the hot seat they're seven and nine after starting one and five clearly Eberflus can coach this is just his second year so I mean they might not need a head coach they might have an actual head coach oh I agree with you on that part I think that is fair but I think that and we have discussed it all show long there are not many like this guy. This guy went to a Super Bowl in the NFL. He's potentially going to win a championship here in college. He played in the NFL for a long period of time, and he played quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot on that resume. And no doubt. maybe new quarterback, new coach. Just start fresh, new regime if you're Chicago. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess. But, I mean, you, you've already been starting fresh for how many years? It was starting fresh with Matt Nagy and, 50. and, and Ryan Pace. <laughs> it's starting fresh with Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. You're going to start fresh now again? <laughs> I mean, you've been starting fresh. I mean, you, 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 it's his second – it's Eberflus's second year. And he did that with his quarterback being hurt for a month of the season. I, I just – I don't know. I, I, I just I, – I think it's – Chicago is willing to wait and see with Eberflus – and that's probably the, the the best way for that franchise to become more functional. Uh, I don't think throwing $20 million a year at Jim Harbaugh is the way they necessarily need to go, even though Jim Harbaugh would probably be an upgrade over Eberflus. All right, coming up, we're going to get your phone calls in at 888-SAY-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call in line about is the Michigan cheating now done with in your mind? After their win yesterday over Alabama, the way in which they did it, they're setting up for that matchup in the national championship game with Washington and Michael Penix Jr. Are you over the Michigan cheating? We'll get your phone calls in coming up. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Mark has to share with the call, ESPN Radio. Washington over Texas, 37-31. Michael Penix Jr., 29 of 38, 430, two touchdowns. He, a transfer from Indiana. We will get to that in just a couple of minutes and how the transfers NIL really shaping the landscape of college football. But first, let's talk with Evan in Atlantic City, listening on 97.3 about the Michigan cheating, or now lack thereof, maybe. Evan. Good morning. Happy New Year. Morning. Happy New Year. (laughs) So so three quick things. I do think it's obvious why uh, you're salty a little bit, Evan, about people still calling the Patriots uh, cheaters. (laughs) I'm an Eagles fan, so that's not going to change. But uh, number two, I do think that, you know, when it comes to Maybe doing the crime, he certainly did the time to make up for it in Harbaugh. Um, and number three, I think we're talking about pros versus college kids. It's easier to give, you know, kids a little bit more of an understanding, especially after pulling through and and uh, you know making it to the to the final. So yeah, I, I think. The, and thanks for the phone call. I think the last part is interesting, but like this is about the coaching staff potentially doing whatever they may have done. This is not about. Somebody handing somebody an extra thousand dollars in a in a duffel bag, you know, because I don't think that's stuff that impacts necessarily winning and losing. I think we're all fine with that stuff historically. Of like, okay, the kid is going to school, student athlete, and you're not giving them a dollar to do that. Like, I think we can deal with that. I think this is a little bit different, but I understand where he's going on that one. Uh, Jeff in Wisconsin on the ESPN app. What's up, Jeff? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I saw something yesterday in the Rose Bowl. Um, against Nick Saban that, that I don't think I've seen before. Um, the halftime adjustments that Saban made at halftime, um, I kind of thought Alabama was going to run away with it. But then, I don't know, midway through the third quarter, it seemed like Harbaugh and his staff kind of adjusted to Saban's adjustments on the fly. And um, cheating scandal or no cheating scandal, um, I think Harbaugh and his staff have to have a lot of credit for that. I don't recall seeing that against a Nick Saban coach team um, since he's been at Alabama. Your thoughts? Well, CC, that's something you've been on. I think what the first half looked like versus the second half and how they adjusted, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, a sign of coaching is making the adjustments at halftime, and then if you've got somebody that in-game can adjust to those changes, then then obviously that's a sign that this person knows what they're doing from an X's and O's standpoint. And I thought 
one of the things that Michigan got away from in the second half was blitzing Jalen Milrow from different places on the field. And whether it was linebackers, whether it was safeties, corners, I I thought they moved away from that. And that's when Alabama's offense was able to have some success. You saw that Tommy Reese, the OC from Alabama, started moving the launch point a little bit more, involving Milrow more in the run game. And their offense was able to get a lead. And that was the first time that Michigan had trailed in the second half of any game this season. And so you give credit to Alabama for being able to do that. But I think where Jim Harbaugh and Michigan ended up shining was on that last drive in the fourth quarter. When they were able to march 75 yards and they are able to um, get a 30-yard catch and run to Blake Corum. Um, that probably could have went for more had it not been for a block in the back. But then you also had the big-time throw that J.J. McCarthy made to Roman Wilson that puts the ball inside of the 10, and they ultimately ended up having a touchdown pass off of that later. I thought that, from a schematic standpoint, put his best players in situations where they could affect the outcome of the game, and to me, that's all coaching is. And so I think that's where you tip your cap to Jim Harbaugh for actually being a difference maker on the sideline in that circumstance. He didn't have to be a difference maker in the Big Ten Championship against Iowa. He didn't have to be a difference maker in Ohio State, obviously, because they won without him. He didn't have to be a difference maker in a game against Penn State. But I think you needed Jim Harbaugh to be a difference maker in the conference uh, in the CFP semis against Nick Saban. And last night he was. CC may come off like a dumb question, but everybody always says make adjustments at halftime. Can you take us inside as to what that actually is? Like you're in a locker room. What is a coach doing? How are they explaining it to you guys? Like oh, we're going, we went with A, now we're going with B. Like how does that work exactly? Well, I mean, it was obvious. If you're Alabama on the offensive side of the ball, you're, you're looking at it and saying, oh, they've blitzed us double-digit times in the first half. We've got to have an answer for the blitz. If we don't trust our quarterback to read out the blitz and to beat it from the pocket throwing the ball, then how can we make things easier? Oh, I know how we can do that. Implement more zone read. Implement more design runs from the quarterback which standardizes the defense and get the quick passing game going with some of the wide receiver screens and the slants, things of that nature, and passes to the running backs in the flat. That's exactly what Alabama did. And are they telling so, that to everybody, or is that posi- but position group by position group? Well, no, no, you break, you break it down offense-defense. Got it. So okay. your offensive coordinator your defense coordinator are leading the charge when it comes to adjustments at halftime. Then the head coach will rally it up. So when you come in at halftime – the players are all getting their Gatorades, they're getting their water, their orange slice, they go in the training room. During that time, the initial part of halftime, the coaching staff is meeting. Head coach, coordinators, position coaches. Then, somewhere in there, about you know, five, or, five or six minutes in, the offensive gets together and the defense gets together and you go through the changes, the adjustments that you want to make and what plays you're going to run in order to put those adjustments in place. So that's how it works. And with Michigan having a more veteran-laden team, those adjustments that they're able to make in-game are a little bit easier because you have players that are more familiar with the, the overall scheme but also more familiar with the moment. And I thought that was also a big difference at the end of the fourth quarter and overtime for Michigan over Alabama. Ryan in Columbus, listening on 1460 AM, joins us here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. What's up, Ryan? Hey, good morning. Uh, Happy New Year to the crew. Happy New Year. Uh, No, I'm not over the coaching scandal at all. I'm a little league coach. And, you know, the principles of sportsmanship, fair play, and all these kinds of things, what am I teaching these kids if we're going to give a pass to people like Harbaugh and those who cheat? I mean, think about it. Big picture, I can't go out there in good conscience and say, okay, we're going to play fair, we're going to do this and that and this and that, 
But then when they look at the at the bigger boys, well, the bigger boys are cheating. So why should we listen to coach? Make my, you see what I'm saying? I, I do, but how long does that persist, Ryan? Because Jim Harbaugh has served his suspension. He has done the time for the crime. When do you turn the page, if not now? Well, I get that part of it. But at the same time, if you're good, why are you cheating? That would be my question. Yeah, well, that's a fair question. But they did it. Connor Stallions did what he did. Michigan had their punishment. They served it. And they have won in spite of that and then won after that. And I just think when we look at, like, the Astros, for example, those were players that were implementing this very intricate sign-stealing scandal, and the players were complicit the entire time. It's very hard for me to blame J.J. McCarthy or Blake Corum or the Michigan defense for what happened with Connor Stallions. There's a degree of separation there that I think makes it more palatable for us to turn the page when it comes to this specific incident. Mike in Utah, listening on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you guys doing? What's up, Mike? Hey, uh, so just going off of what this, this last guy said, I have yet to hear an intelligible argument why the sign stealing is cheating. Because across college football, you can sign steal, but you just can't do it in the manner that Connor Stallions did it. You can't have grainy footage on your cell phone. This is language from the 1990s when this rule was put in, and every team does it. Ohio State was allegedly selling a... Uh, well, that's, that's probably you're not you. supposed to They're advance pretty, scout. It's a yeah, part of the rules. Exactly. So that's you, all it is. It's yeah. a part of the rules. You can argue whether or not it's a dumb rule. I, I'm with you on that front. I think it is absolutely ridiculous because it's all big business now in college football. But it's a rule. So they broke the rules. That That is clear and obvious. But I guess the whole argument with Michigan fans is the what about of whataboutism and saying that, well, other teams are doing it. It's just that we got caught or other teams might be doing it just not to the degree that we were, but other teams are advanced scouting in person. You're not supposed to be doing that because the belief was back in a couple of decades ago that everybody didn't have the capability or the capacity to do it. Now that's not the case. So it is against the rules. I don't, I don't think anybody can argue that. I think your argument is whether or not it should be a rule at all. We know that Michigan and Washington are one and two when it comes to college football. Who's one, two, three, four, and five in the NFL? We'll find out with Canty's Power Rankings next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com
This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Now that the dust is settled on Week 17, it's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. We are Unsportsmanlike. Hello, I'm Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Before we get to CC's Power Rankings... Number one day today for someone, Smalls. Today is my mom's birthday. Shout out to Robin Smallman. Love you, mom. Happy birthday. Enjoy. 21. Uh, <laughs> CC, one through five, or really five through one. NFL Power Rankings. What do you got for us? All right. Let's kick this thing off with number five, Javante. Number five. The Dallas Cowboys. They won a game, even though I, I think it's on the board that they probably should have lost the game, given how Dan Campbell handled that two-point conversion at the end of it. Probably should have kicked the field goal after you didn't get it the first time, but you go for it two more times. You still don't go get in. Probably a bad long jump, but I'll give credit where credit is due to Dallas Cowboys stack another win. They're now in the driver's seat for the NFC East title and they're probably going to be locked in to be in the second seed in the NFC playoff picture, which means right now they would get the Green Bay Packers a 500 ball club. So I think it's all all good for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this probably puts more pressure on Mike McCarthy to go on a deep playoff run now that you're talking about hosting a home playoff game and you're getting a team that has their quarterback in his first full season as the starter. We'll see if everything holds up the way that it is, but you're getting the worst team in the NFC playoff field, in the wild card round, the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of pressure on them to go on a deep playoff run by virtue of what happened on Saturday night. Next. Number four. The Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, less is more, and it feels like the coaching staff for the Bills has actually figured that out. 66 pass attempts for Josh Allen over the last three games. That's 22 per. And, yeah, the numbers aren't flashy, but they keep winning games. I mean, they beat the Patriots. They beat the Chargers. They keep winning games. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. I, I think this team is trending in the right direction. You want to build momentum going into the postseason. And I can't believe I'm saying this because two months ago, I wouldn't even thought this team would got close to the playoffs. But if the Bills beat the Miami Dolphins in Week 18, they will win the AFC East yet again. Can't believe it's actually even possible. Thinking about how ugly some of the losses that we've seen from the Bills were, especially that one on Monday night against the Denver Broncos. But the Buffalo Bills are in position to win the AFC East title if they can beat the Miami Dolphins, a team that they boat raced earlier in the regular season. Next. Number three. The Cleveland Browns. I I mean, I can't say enough about this team. It's the best defense in the National Football League, and they're only going to get better as Miles Garrett gets healthier. But the thing that's separating this team and making them dangerous in the team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs is Joe Flacco. I mean, Dan Orlovsky made the joke on Twitter, and he said, has anybody seen Joe Flacco and Nick Foles in the same room? Because it feels like Joe Flacco is channeling his inner Nick Foles right now in terms of being able to get hot at the right time and his team being able to ride that to a championship. Shouldn't be a surprise for us because we saw Joe Flacco do that in 2012 with the Baltimore Ravens. Now he's going to have a chance to do that with the Cleveland Browns. I will say this, nobody, and I mean nobody in the AFC, wants to see Cleveland, and that includes Joe Flacco's former team, the Baltimore Ravens. Next. Number two. The San Francisco 49ers, they've clinched the number one seed in the NFC. They've got the first round by. They're going to be one of eight as opposed to one of 14 that has a chance to win a championship, and their game week 18 against the Rams ain't going to matter 
and it's good for the 49ers because it gives them a couple of weeks to rest up, heal up, and we know this team, more so than any team, relies on health and physicality in order to win football games. So I think this gives them a good time to kind of regroup as a team and go into the playoffs hitting on all cylinders with everybody that you need absolutely healthy. So the San Francisco 49ers, the team that I have the fewest questions about in the NFC going into the postseason. Number one. The Baltimore Ravens. I mean, how could you not have the Ravens as number one? They beat the 49ers 33-19 on Christmas Day in a game that they were underdogs. And then as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, they smoked the Miami Dolphins. What was it, 35 points? They beat them 56-19? to I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I think they're the first team in NFL history to to win back-to-back games against 11-win teams and do so by double digits. That's how impressive – what the Baltimore Ravens has done over the last two weeks of football, and they're playing their best ball at the right time, and that's why Lamar Jackson is the odds-on favorite, the overwhelming favorite to win MVP. I think he's minus 10,000 to win MVP. Those are the odds. So it's just Lamar Jackson is going to run away with the MVP. It should be his second unanimous MVP if we're all being honest with ourselves. And that's saying a lot given how the offseason prior went for Lamar Jackson when He was essentially out for grabs, and anybody could have had him. Goes back to Baltimore, and he's rewarding Baltimore with the season that he's been able to put together individually and for his team. So that's the list. The Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, Cleveland Browns, Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys. Smalls, you're my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? Um, I love the list, CeCe. I think it's the perfect list for this week. I do have a question about the Kansas City Chiefs. They're coming off a win. They lock up the AFC West title yet again. I know they don't look that intimidating right now, but it still is Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, etc. So where do you have the Chiefs? Maybe number six, number seven? I've got the Kansas City Chiefs right around there, six or seven. They're hovering with the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins. They're right in that realm, six to eight. And here's the thing. It's not about Pat Mahomes. It's not about Andy Reid. It's not really even about their defense. It's about whether or not their receivers can catch the ball. <laughs> MVS, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanton, dropped another walk-in touchdown. Pat Mahomes can't walk into his receivers any better, and yet they drop the ball. And when they're not doing that, they're not lining up on sides, which continues to happen. I, 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 after it cost them a game in a primetime spot. I don't understand it. The receivers... For the Kansas City Chiefs are maddening. That team leads the league in drops. I mean, even Travis Kelsey had a drop in the game against the uh, against the Bengals. I mean, it's just it's absolutely inexcusable. It's borderline unprofessional what's happening right now around Pat Mahomes with that offense and his pass catchers. CC, a couple of notes on your power rankings. I was thinking about as you were ranking them. If the playoffs were to stay as is, with the rankings as is, the standings as is, we'd get the Packers at Mike McCarthy Ooh. in the first round. We'd get Matthew Stafford at the Lions in the first round. We'd have a Buffalo-Kansas City rematch. Now, I say that knowing this, Miami's injuries are overwhelming right now on defense. They're without their their best pass rushers, Jalen Phillips and and Bradley Chubb now, and Mm -hmm. Davian Howard, their corner, one of their two stud corners, along with Jalen Ramsey, not going to play. And then the Flacco-Foles comparison, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm in on just because Flacco won a Super Bowl already. 
right? Flacco was an established guy. Foles came out of absolute nowhere to do what he did. Flacco I was on the couch to know, start the month I know, of November. Literally. I know. And he wasn't fans. even in the league. Uh, you, you're fa- it's fair in the out of nowhere part of it. I don't know. Like Joe Flacco having a revitalization is not sh- as shocking as Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl. I'm sure the Jets are shocked. I mean, well, ask Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he probably wanted him in there. So there you go in terms of your power rankings from CC: Baltimore, San Francisco, Cleveland, Buffalo, and Dallas, one through five. CC, best bet for tonight. What do you got for us? All right, so we're going to the association, and we're going to pick two games. So we got the Chicago Bulls visiting the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to take Joel Embiid over 11.5 rebounds, and we're going to take the Sixers on the money line. And then we're going to switch over to the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, the Spurs are 5-27. and 27. So I'm, uh, the Grizzlies have had a resurgence now that John Morant is back. He's got the him tattoo on his hands. And so I'm going with the Grizzlies on the money line and John Morant over 26.5 points. And that pays out at plus 358. So we got a four-leg parlay. Joel Embiid over 11.5 boards. The Sixers win. And then John Morant over 26.5 points in the Grizzlies win. Again, that pays out at plus 358. Get your new year started off the right way. Get you back some of that Christmas cash that you spent. I'm trying to look out for you. You're welcome. It better win. <laughs> You're welcome there. Uh, shout out to 92.9 uh, ESPN in uh, Memphis. Got to uh, be more optimistic, Ev. You well, gotta, I, you gotta, we're I claiming things you. in 2024. I, we're speaking it into existence, yes, okay? Yes. We're claiming things. Ev. Manifesting. Well, Manifesting, exactly, Smalls. I hope Vision so. Vision board is already set. We're ready to go. I love it. And it just has there dollar signs all over it. I hope Absolutely. so for our friends at 92.9 uh, in Memphis, Brad Carson, uh, and the crew there because uh, they, Gabe Kuhn, they are very high on the Grizzlies right now with the way in which, obviously, uh, John Moran has come back and played, and they've been very good. I know the goal is to be 500. That's what they're saying, to get back to 500. They're 12 games under right now. As um, I don't know if you guys wanted to dive into the Cavs and the Raptors from last night during the college football. I was texting the group about that. I think we'll move on. All right, that's <laughs> enough from that. Uh, coming up, our most unsportsmanlike moments of the day next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was terrible. Was not a great look. We are on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. 
Michigan-Washington National Championship game after Michigan beats Alabama in overtime. Washington beats Texas 37-31. Both games come down to the final play of those games. And time now for our unsportsmanlike moments of the day. And uh, some of them involved the National Championship semifinals yesterday, including college game day with Reese Davis and uh, Pat McAfee specifically talking about uh, Jalen Milrow. These are moments, by the way, unsportsmanlike, funny, quirky, different, weird, that we just laugh at and have fun with. So um, let's take a listen, courtesy of ESPN, to College Game Day from yesterday. Milrow often wears his own branded apparel reading LANK across the front. It's an acronym that stands for Let a Naysayer Know. Being told by his former offensive coordinator, that Bill O'Brien. That is not what I thought. Is that not what you thought? Boy, let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. Of course. The professional's right in the middle of his lead. That's all right. I just keep I thought going. You almost lost me. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man. It got real tight up here as you were. I was watching that. Reese, you were too smooth with that. I thought it was going down. I thought it was going down out here. Whoa. I'm a different man. Oh, sorry. Let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. That's what we thought the whole time. That's what we all thought. Well, that's uh, absolutely great. That's great. Let a naysayer know. It's great. It's great. The reaction on the set was priceless. Pat Pat McAfee, that was gold. That was gold by him. That was gold by him. I feel like I'm sitting here like Reese Davis. Like, what's happening exactly? (laughs) Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, it led to it led to a moment with our teammates on this show, though, right? Between Javante and Pat Costello, it did. Didn't that happen? Yeah, behind the scenes, didn't they have a moment? Yeah, we did. I told Pat, like, uh, don't he uh, feel like it's acceptable to throw around naysayer now to uh, to substitute <laughs> okay. for the for the word? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Just let you know if, uh, for the future you can't just come in here and you say can't it. just say yeah. Why did you turn towards what Pat? up, my naysayer? No. Oh boy, oh, no, it's not oh gonna boy. Work. It's not going to work. Anyway, um, all right. So uh, people are saying that could be already the funniest moment on TV. It's hilarious. Already. Like, that's it. Like, it cannot be topped for 2024. That that is the moment of sports television is what McAfee and Reese Davis and company did yesterday. We also, in terms of unsportsmanlike moments, you guys remember Big Poppy, David Ortiz, Smalls. Yeah. Miss Baseball, right? How could you forget Big Poppy? One of the great designated hitters, big game hitters of all time. Like, there's nobody better in those big moments in the last 20 years, arguably, than Big Poppy, right? He, he single-handedly beat the Cardinals in the World Series. Okay. He, he wasn't great in a big moment this weekend, though. Well, thank you. Uh, that's what I was going to set up there. Um, so he is certainly <laughs> amazing in those big moments. And here was a big moment as uh, David Ortiz was trying to help a baby reveal, the gender reveal, and they were going to – they flip him the baseball, and he swings to try to pop the ball to learn if it's a boy or a girl. Um, yeah, let's take a look at the video. I will explain it. He is lefty stance, beautiful, and um, he misses. He literally misses. It's unfathomable that they – like, they get that guy, and they – I guess the ball exploded anyway. Is that correct? Like, what happened here? But David Ortiz – I think somebody no, must have been, shot the confetti out. Yeah, somebody yeah. was ready with the confetti. They had the confetti out, but he is that missed. worse than the one where the guy took the pitch and then it just landed on the ground and broke? That's funny. I didn't no, see that. This one's worse took because the pitch in that. That's no, amazing. This was worse because it's big poppy. But yeah, take, this is worse. This taking is worse. a pitch is funny though. 
if you're supposed to swing and hit a baseball or a softball, whatever it is, for a baby reveal, and you're like, nah, it's not a good, it's not a good pitch for me. So, to we, so we do, do we blame the pitcher in this instance, Smalls, or do we blame Big Poppy? No, we blame Big Poppy. We he, blame Poppy for that this? one. Was lobbed right in there. He he was primed to shoot that to the moon and announce the gender reveal of this baby, and he whiffed on it. Well, that might be a part of the problem. He was too primed. That might be a part of the issue. He might have had too much holiday cheer in his cup, and, and the swing might have been a little bit off. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm Fair. just trying to come up with reasons why Big Poppy didn't connect. What if it's his first time actually swinging or attempted to swing a bat since he retired? Javante, oh. it, it's not like he's facing Clements. <laughs> I mean, in that moment, it could have been like that for him. It's been a while. No, but I mean, he's facing like an underhand from my seven and a half year old daughter. Like, what do you mean? Like, he's not. It's not like you know. It's it's uh, smolts up there, right? In a big spot. Uh, come on, you got to be able to hit. You, they pick whoever that was picked Poppy for that reason. That like, oh, this will be easy for him but to it, do. But it actually makes it more memorable, though, right? So you could argue that Big Poppy actually made it better by not connecting on on the pitch. Right, yeah. because now everybody will remember that gender reveal, and everybody will know. Like, if you're that kid that's born as a result of that gender reveal, you can always have this story in your back pocket, and everybody will remember it. If Big Poppy oh, yeah. actually hits the ball and the blue powder comes out, then it's like, ah, whatever. It's a gender reveal. It's cool that they had Big Poppy to do it, but now everybody knows. Your gender reveal. I'm just putting it out there. How about if you're the person who lobbed the ball into him? All these big league pitchers, these Hall of Famers that Big Poppy connected on, and I got him to whiff. Yeah, this would have never happened to Jeter. Oh. Here we go. I love oh, it. Boy. I love it. Oh, also, boy. can we end the gender reveal forever, please? They're terrible. They're so terrible. Well, it's, why are they terrible? The people are They're trying to top so each lame. other, and it's getting. I mean, out if of you're control. doing it, if you're doing it at a baby shower, why not? What's wrong with the gender reveal? They're lame. As something else that you're doing at the baby shower. Well, I mean, most people, most, uh, listen, most people are doing baby showers anyway. So this is just another one of those things that you would do at the baby shower. Sound, most- sounds like you got talked into doing a gender reveal at some point. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably going to be on the board, but I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're talking about. I'm just saying, if you've got to get together to celebrate the new addition to a family, then you've got to come up with things to do at the at the gender reveal. I, I mean, at the baby shower, and the gender reveal is just one of the things that you can do. So most people, CC, have it separate. They have a gender reveal party and then a baby shower. Okay, now you're just doing too much. Yeah, you're doing too and much. And I think you're that doing, it becomes a little excessive. We have to give yeah, you gifts. You're for hanging on the now. rim. You're hanging on the rim at that point. It's like relax. People have babies every day. Be like, it's it's okay. <laughs> You're not the only ones. But this is like, hey, let's get Tiger to help with the baby reveal. He'll have him tee off, and he swings and misses. I know. And, like, Tiger just, like, misses the ball on the tee. How it, incredible would that be? I mean, you're off. right. It would be all-time <laughs> amazing. But it seems so illogical on so many fronts. All right, a couple of other unsportsmanlike moments. So um, we, also, we had the on-field, the field pass for the Texas and Washington game, and our teammate Harry Douglas was a part of it. Um, well, take a listen to how this sounded with the field pass yesterday, ESPN2. Mammoth. Can I be honest? It's not the best of smells, but me and Bevo, we still have a great relationship. I didn't mean to not put my, you right there, Harry. I apologize. Time. He meant to put you there. I, didn't, I, 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 I think right so, there. too. I think so, too. After the kick, we'll, we'll move. Let's just hope yeah. he holds off here for about another 10 seconds. Huskies will kick. 
How many times does Bevo, you know, how many times does Bevo, you know, like go number two during a game? I've never counted. I would rather not Multiple find out. Multiple times? I'm trying to keep talking I'm not, this is not a stat we keep. Do you think he senses stat? us? Because he just backed up all the way to the gate. You can see you right now. You can face him that way. Bevo, please, whatever you yeah, do, he, my don't friend. Don't look him in the eyes. He's looking right at you right now. Well, How much does he weigh? He weighs 2,000 pounds. He's about 60 pounds of food a day. Okay, I believe it was Colt McCoy that asked about how many times does uh, Bebo throw the deuces up, basically, is what he just asked. And then Harry Douglas puts himself right front and center that if the, the God forbid happens, he's right there for it. What a moment. Yeah, Bebo was backing up into that corner like a threat. Yeah. It was backing down like in the post there. <laughs> um, all right, one more. So the Seattle Kraken, I guess we had the NHL, um, what is it called? The thing, the outdoor thing yesterday? I already forgot what it was called. The Winter Classic. The Winter Classic, thank you. So uh, the Seattle Kraken had an interesting um, entrance or exit, whatever it was yesterday, to really honor Seattle. Um, so they had the fish thrown at them as they were walking in. Like That's the like iconic. The, I mean, you like this smoke? It's iconic. That's dope, yeah. At like the public market or the seafood yeah, market, whatever yeah. it's yeah. called it's there? Like, that, is, that is what you think of when you think of Seattle. You think of the, the market. You think of people throwing the fish. The fact that they were able to sync up in that way, too, the synchronicity of it all, I think it's amazing. Like it would have been better if someone I'm sure. I'm sure the, the Nashville Predators fans would like a word, though. That's kind of their thing, right? Throwing the catfish on the ice. Just saying, just putting it out there. I mean, I love it for the Kraken. They're trying to establish their new traditions and expansion franchise. But I'm just saying it is it is borrowing something from another team. I'm just putting it out there. But it's it's indigenous to their city. This is yeah, throwing fair. the fish, you know, so it's not really that's like fair. they're stealing. It's the Kraken. It's a sea creature. I got, I got it, Smalls. I'm with it. I like <laughs> it. I like it. I'm just saying. Just saying it is another team that, that does something similar with their team when they win games. Greedy is coming up next. Hey, CC Smalls, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are on to Wednesday. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.